0: Welcome to the Church Fails podcast, where we bring our failures out into the open so we can laugh together and learn something along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about our challenges with backing tracks. But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cade. I'm the creator of Collaborate Worship and the lead pastor at No Limits Church. My name is Dylan. I'm the creative director at Collaborate Worship and the worship leader at No Limits Church. All right, let's get this conversation started. So we wanted to talk about backing tracks because, you know, maybe... You've been bouncing around the idea of using backing tracks, um, or maybe you just want to learn how to better utilize them, or maybe you just experience some failures of your own and you just want to see if ours are worse. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, we just hope that our experience with backing tracks, what we have to share today, um, we just hope that it helps you out in some way, shape, or form. Um, and boy, do we have some experiences, don't we? <laughs> no doubt. So, Cade, why don't you take it back to when we first introduced backing tracks at our church, because you were the worship leader at that point, so... So I actually remember we first introduced them for special services. I believe it was a Christmas service it was the first time we ever used backing tracks cuz we were playing some songs and it had the bells and like all this cool stuff in it that we would never be able to replicate mm-hmm. as a band. So I remember it. You do remember that yeah, service too. I was playing bass, I think. Yeah. So it was super cool. Like I really liked the results of what happened in that service, like in the mix. The band had a little bit of a struggle with it, but they were okay with it cuz it was just like a one-time thing. And then Oh, and another thing to mention from back then is the drummer was the only one with in-ears and everybody else was still using like floor wedge monitors. Really? I don't remember that. Yep. Or maybe it's just the vocals were still using floor wedge monitors. I just know that we weren't all on, in-ear- on in-ears, on in so we weren't all hearing the backing track, mm. which was kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a problem. <laughs> Forgot all about that. I thought we were to the, the Rolls uh, monitor things by then. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the musicians had those. Yeah. You know, the, the vocals didn't move to in-ears until we got the P-16s. Oof. Yeah. So okay. So maybe it was the band. They all had in-ears, and they could hear the backing tracks, but the vocals had no idea. Hmm. And uh so, yeah, that made it stressful. Because if we got off, none of the vocals knew, but like the band knew. But at the same time, that kind of made it easy. Because the drummer, she would control the backing tracks. And if we got off of them, she could just stop it because we still had a full band we were just using backing tracks to like add stuff into the mix so it did sound a little awkward to just cut them off which we did have to do many times because we would get off a beat or you know whatever good times yeah good times but i don't think anybody really noticed but us probably not not. what do you remember from back then (sighs) seems like forever ago like what year did you say that was I don't even know what year that would have been, but it's probably like a good four, four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. So I would have been in high school, I guess. I'm having a hard time remembering it. I remember when we started doing them. Not everybody was a fan of it because, you know, people just don't like change. But um, how long how long did we because you said we did it once for the Christmas service, but we didn't really introduce it full time at that point. No, we did it for Christmas, and I think we did it the following Easter, Uh and then after that, we kind of started putting it here and there, because there was a song we did at Easter, maybe it was Forever, or something like Harry Job or something like that, and uh, we realized how lacking and how empty the mix sounded without them, so we started using it just for that song, and like one song at a time, we would start adding it whenever we needed it, but for most songs, we were still just using the metronome, the click track, instead of the backing tracks. Yeah, I remember that now. I don't know that the band ever really bought into the idea of using backing tracks. They just kind of tolerated it the whole time that I was worship leader. That's how I remember it. Uh, We're doing backing tracks. Sometimes I think they still do. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's the story at your church too. (laughs) But yeah, I think there's always going to be people who are just like, ah, the backing tracks. We'll get into more of that here in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, But Dylan, why don't you go ahead and talk about, you know, your confrontation with backing tracks and the downsides that you see, maybe some failures that you've had using them. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to previous podcasts, like I took over worship leader responsibilities from Cade, like a year ago, would you say maybe a little bit, was it more than a year ago? It's been almost two years now in Whoa. June. It'll be two years. What? Yep. Okay. That was uh, the wrong, the wrong uh, time frame. Anyway, I think we were doing them full time by the time I took over as worship leader like you had already pretty much introduced them on every song and we were just using them as a click track and to fill in some little extra stuff to fill out the whole mix. And so I think everybody was pretty used to them at that point but we still haven't we still hadn't mastered um how to ha- get the most flexibility out of them it still felt like way too structured you know. And so I think like by the time I stepped in we were still trying to figure that out how to how to get the most flexibility out of them how to make them um, work without feeling tied down all the time. And, uh, it took a, it took a while. And I remember there were times, um, that, uh, we, you know, we, we would feel led to do like a spontaneous, more flowy worship moment within the backing tracks, like next song, two, three, four. <laughs> like, well, okay, I guess here we do. go. <laughs> here we go. Next song. <laughs> or it would just end and is kind of hard to figure out what to do next at that point so uh, that was one of the biggest problems we had with them i from my perspective whenever i was worship leaders we just didn't have any flexibility and so um and that like the main tension too that, yeah like probably here so. across worship teams and churches all over it's like if we use backing tracks we can't add a chorus in or a bridge in where we want to yeah and that's a valid argument but if you think about it like how often do you really sway from the roadmap that you practice mm-hmm. we didn't yeah we don't sway from the roadmap but there would just be times like at the end of the song when we'd want to maybe go back into it like on the last one but and i know there are a few times we would be like okay we'll just let the last song in the backing track stop and we'll just keep going and uh it would sound pretty awkward because you went from having like this full mix with the backing tracks and all of that and then it would just sound really bare all of a sudden and kind of awkward and so that was a struggle for a little while. We'd be like, well, we really want to do these flowy moments. We just don't know how. And it took us a little, while to fig- a little while to figure it out. But we finally got a pretty good solution that we'll share here in a minute. But that was one of our biggest struggles, for me anyway. Um, and then there were there was multiple times where at the end of the countdown, we would hit play on the backing tracks and there's nothing there. <laughs> And so we're waiting, waiting, there's that awkward (laughs) pause and everybody's just kind of staring at us, you know, (laughs) and come to find out they would accidentally get muted back on the soundboard with like the mute group that mutes all the instruments. And so he would unmute all of us, but the backing tracks didn't get unmuted with it for whatever reason. And so we'd all just stop and look at each other and I'd try to crack some joke to the congregation like, oh, whoops, (laughs) let's try that again. And it usually would work by the second time, but awkward. Yeah, we did that multiple times before we got it figured out. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember that actually. And the solution was: people are probably wondering, well, don't you have ears? Can't you just have it go to the ears and not the main mix? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. We have the backing tracks grouped with something else on the P16 mixers because you know you only have sixteen. You only have sixteen channels on the P16, so sometimes you have to group things together. And when you do that, if you mute mute the individual channel, but the bus where you're grouping these things together is unmuted, like that individual channel is still going to be muted everywhere, including the P16. So -hmm. that's what was going on. We figured that out. And so I think we ended up putting it on its own thing now so that it doesn't that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, that was a bummer moment. Uh kind of ruins the whole cuz our our countdown or wait, we call it our pre-roll. It's very like climactic at the end and then you go into your first like upbeat praise song and mm. pff, yep. <laughs> it's an awkward moment. <laughs> energy up, energy killed. Good times. <laughs> and then my third uh confrontational downside that we've had with it is uh there were multiple multiple times that we've just gotten off tempo. And it's especially if you're just one beat off, it's really hard to find yourself back onto the song. It's a lot easier if you get way off because you're like, okay, we'll just wait for the next chorus. Okay, there it is. Chorus, two, three. But when you're one beat off, it really messes with your head because, especially when everybody's doing it, because the backing track is maybe like one beat behind or one beat ahead, but the whole band is playing (laughs) at the same place, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... Like, I just didn't have a solution in the moment. And this has happened multiple times as well. And we just kind of played the whole song one beat off and <laughs> acted like nothing was wrong. <laughs> and most people didn't notice. Yeah. But I did. Yeah, <laughs> you did. <laughs> we <I'm had> like, <laughs> a, y'all were one beat off the whole song. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but they made it to the end. Like That was kind of my congratulations like the band stayed together even Mm -hmm. though you're beat off the backing track the whole time (laughs) yeah one of the songs that it happened with most recently was who Who is like the lord uh, (laughs) by highlands worship and it's got a very syncopated uh synth pattern in it yeah and it when it's off it sounds really off (laughs) and so that one did not sound good a beat off (laughs) what's funny about that is the sunday that i remember and it was several sundays it's the one i remember Is we had the bass guitar going through the backing track because our bass player couldn't be there or we didn't have one at that point or something. Mm -hmm. And so to have the bass guitar one beat off, like one beat after everything else is hitting, like it felt, it was the weirdest feeling. It's like the bass always slid into like the pocket Mm -hmm. every beat, a little cringy feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, those are uh, some good times we've had with backing tracks. Um, All those things we found solutions for, I think those are probably just some apprehensions that people have about backing tracks and some things that we've experienced. But uh, we want to share some solutions that we found with you. So why don't you uh, share uh, some that you found to, to be helpful? Well, I would start with the fact that simplicity is better with backing tracks because it's a temptation whenever you first pull them up. It's like there's a lot of cool stuff in there. So it's like you want to add this and this and, that, and you want to add it all in there. And then you're it really can mess up your mix if you do that. And it can fight with the musicians that are on the stage and maybe even make them frustrating, frustrated because, you know, something in the backing tracks is really close to what they're playing. So they're like, what am I supposed to be playing and why am I even up here? Because it's being played in the backing tracks. Mm-hmm. So my first encouragement is to be really careful of that and know what the musicians are playing. Know what your electric guitar is playing, and your keyboards playing. That way, whenever you're mixing those backing tracks in before the band gets there you know, to take out those parts or don't put anything in there that even closely aligns with what they're doing. Or like if they're occupying a certain part of the frequency spectrum, they're kind of like in those low mids playing big chords or something like that. Don't add that into the backing tracks, find the things that add, you know, sparkle to it or like a shaker or a syncopated rhythm from a synth. And like in the case of our church, we have a keyboard player that she's traditional, like traditionally trained. Mm -hmm. And so she does not like playing the synth stuff that's in modern worship today. And we've kind of pushed her to do some of that over the years, but it was always tension for her. Like she did a good job with it, but she didn't enjoy it. And it's like, you really don't want your musicians to hate their job. Mm-hmm. So we ended up pulling that responsibility off of her and all the synth stuff you just put in the backing tracks. So she doesn't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And she can just play keys, which she is really good at. And she kills it. Yeah. She can thrive where she belongs. So, mm-hmm. on that on that topic you talked about um you know having stuff in there that would make people feel like okay why am i even here if we're just throwing this in the backing track the backing tracks in that in that way also i think this is one of the biggest benefits of them it's like if you have let's say you're a small church like us you only have one of each instrument player and they're going to be gone one sunday you didn't find out till saturday that's a pretty stressful moment right there (laughs) but you know there's been times when that's happened and it's like you can you can put them at ease because you can say like okay this one Sunday is totally cool that we just put the piano in the backing track like obviously we'd much rather have you there but um, we we can handle it without you and that has always just helped them to know it's okay to to miss a week if they really need to and um, even moments when we haven't had a, a bass player for an extended period of time we've been able to put the bass into the backing track so that we don't really have to worry about like I could have played bass I just don't really like to play bass and lead vocally at the same time. And so, like, if I can be a better worship leader and vocal leader, and put the bass in the backing track, then that's what I'm going to do. You know, that's for sure, should, yeah. But it's really nice to have that as an option, like, mm-hmm. yeah, for when the musicians are going to be gone. Because I think probably most of the churches listening to this podcast are small churches where you only have one musician, mm-hmm. or maybe two. You know, in certain places. At our church, we only have one musician in each spot right now, mm-hmm. so it really is a lot of stress on you as a worship leader. Yeah, for sure. To know that you have a backup plan but like you said, the the live, mu- the real musician is way better. Mm-hmm. We were without a bass guitar for like what, six months or so, maybe longer. And now we have one and it is so much better. Mm-hmm. So much better. Yeah. You, don't, you also don't really know what, what you're missing until you get the real thing back and you're like, oh, that's really nice. <laughs> and you really can't explain that because the backing tracks have like mastered sound like from Highlands or like wherever the track came from. So you think it would just sound great even better than the bass guitar that you have because maybe you can't mix as good as the guys at highlands but for some reason i don't even have an explanation for this the live musician sounds better way better yeah so it has been mastered for a setting that's not your room you know i guess so it's weird yeah i think that's the biggest selling point for backing tracks like that that benefit right there i think is enough reason to start using them if you haven't already Another thing that has helped us with is um, our timing. Like we've grown in our ability to stay on time better. Um, some of our instrumentalists have struggled over the years with staying on tempo and keeping consistent timing. And I think that the backing tracks, because it's so like structured, like this is what you're doing. And if you get off, you're off, you know. And so it's, it's just it's pushed them into more excellence as far as timing is concerned. And I think we've grown a lot in that aspect. Yeah, it kind of takes away the option to not be on time because, you know, when it's just a metronome and you get off a beat, you know, so what? Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of makes the downbeat feel weird. But other than that, you know, with the backing tracks, like you don't have the option to get off a beat. So Mm -hmm. figure it out. And obviously, it is a source of contention too, like we talked about some failures earlier. But I think in the long run, it does help you grow with your timing. So we talked about earlier the struggle with, flexibility yeah, like yeah. that is so rigid like to have a backing track so what are some solutions that you found to add some flexibility into it so we use the backing track app prime by loop community mm-hmm. um, and we also buy some tracks from multi-tracks we just started building our library in prime from when you were worship leader and sometimes i can only find them on multi-tracks and so i'll just download them and upload them to prime we use the prime ipad app the prime ipad app and we, Easiest go, in- way to get started, probably. we go into an audio interface that has four outs. So we can send like a bass guitar through its own channel or by, you know, mm-hmm. however you need to do that. Um, well, let's say after the third song, we decide we want to be intentional about just giving some space for the Holy Spirit to do his thing and, and to lead us in just, uh, a more flowy worship moment. However you want to word that. What I found is best is if you, you can buy some, some tracks that are just pads, and they'll have uh, different things inside of it that you can mix like uh, some some thirds and some fifths and different sounds to the pad. And so you can get it sounding how you want. And there's some really good sounding ones. And you just have like your, your last song crossfade into that pad, which would obviously be in the same key. And what we would do is go back to playing a chorus from the song we just finished, like just the keys and the acoustic guitar or whatever. And that pad kind of brings down the tone at a really gradual level instead of just being like okay backing tracks and then now there's none and it also helps fill in a little bit of blank space just like the backing tracks do for the actual song yeah so it's kind of like the glue that glues together like your band naked all by itself in a band with backing tracks Mm -hmm. yeah and you have to fine tune those crossfades sometimes quite a bit like when the song is going to end when the pad is going to start and you even have to do that if you're going to crossfade two songs together. But if you take some time to to work on it before the service, you can get those sounding really um, seamless. So What I think I like about that the most is the fact that there's no silence between two different songs, like yeah. when that pad's there. It really helps with transitions so that it's there's no awkward, like, it's quiet in the room, and yeah. then the next song starts. It glues them together. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, like... Until the pastor comes up to do his thing, there really shouldn't be any completely silent moments unless you're just really intentional about wanting that in the service right. because it's usually a really awkward feeling when you've been at this high volume From the song and then just nothing. No (laughs) doubt. You can hear crickets in the room. Mm -hmm. So those pads really help with that to make sure there's just no awkward silent moments. If you want to distract people, then make sure there's some silence in your set. (laughs) Unless you want to have a moment of silence to each his own. Then you should probably just like be really um, direct about we are now having a moment of silence. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, I think backing tracks have been really beneficial for us like I said, the biggest selling point is when you don't have an instrumentalist or maybe they've called in no one to back up. Um, and you can just say, okay, we'll throw it in the backing track. It's not going to sound quite as good, but no one's really going to notice and it's going to all be there. So that's my my biggest plus. Yep. I'm glad we have them. Yeah. Same. It took me a while to say yes to them because I probably felt the same tension that everybody else who's not using them right now feels, but my encouragement would be just to try it out, see if it works. You never know until you try. Mm-hmm. And Fourth you can't just try. try once, but you got to give it a good, you know, month probably that you use them. I'd say more than that. Probably at least 3 months. 3 months? Yeah. Before you decide if you're going to keep them or not cuz you can always ditch them if yeah. it doesn't work for you. And don't listen to the team members just because they don't like change either cuz right. they'll, they'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, we are not um, advertisers for Loop Community or anything like that. Like we're seriously just here talking about backing tracks and our experience with them. So, just some honest feedback. Hope it helps you. Hope you're able to laugh at our mistakes and I can uh, encourage you also in the fact that you're going to have your own mistakes and don't work. Don't let that get you down. Just learn from them and, and make it better from your mistakes. All right. Thanks for joining us. If there's one thing that we'd ask you to do, it's to subscribe to this podcast so that we can tell you about the next episode. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you tell one of your worship leader friends about this podcast? Cause I bet they'd enjoy it too. We'll see you next time.